Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of my favorite quotes of all times comes from the late Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. And in today's gospel, there is so much wisdom as to what this idea of discipleship is all about, which is not primarily about accepting God or believing the right truths about God, or even doing good deeds in the name of God. No, discipleship at its very core is a life of peace, transformation, and joy that bubbles up naturally to the extent that we know God. And that is really what today's gospel is all about. Nathaniel coming to know God for the very first time. And so here is the question I'd like us to consider today. What happened in Nathaniel's life and what must happen in ours if we are to know God in a way that brings more peace and joy into our life? Now, to explore that question, I think I need to offer a little background info because today's gospel is actually alluding to another story from the Bible in the book of Genesis and that is the story of Jacob's flight from his brother Esau. Now, as you may recall, Jacob did not have what some might call a stable family life. Jacob blackmailed Esau and stole his birthright. Esau then made plans to kill Jacob, and that is why Jacob ran away from home. Now, remember, whenever Jacob fled his home, He had nothing. In fact, he fell asleep that first night exhausted with his head on a stone, a stone that symbolized how hard his life had become. Jacob is alone. He has made horrible mistakes, and he feels utterly forsaken. But that very night, Jacob has a dream. His head nestled against that stone, and In his dream, Jacob sees God standing at his side, and Jacob is told that he is called by God. And then Jacob sees a ladder, a ladder that connects heaven to earth with angels ascending and descending on top of it. But of critical importance to this story is not the dream itself, but the setting in which Jacob had it. The dream comes at Jacob's weakest, most desperate moment, at his very worst, as he slept on a stone, when he had hit rock bottom. That is the moment that he saw the heavens opened and God himself standing at his side. Now, with that background story in mind, we can now turn to Nathaniel. And like Jacob, his life is not going very well. I mean, right, something had to happen in Nathaniel's life that 
made him the sour curmudgeon that he is? When told that the Messiah is to be found in Nazareth, he sneers. Nazareth? That backwater place? Forget the Messiah, he said. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, can you see it? Nathaniel is not just a cynic. He's depressed. And this I infer only because of what Jesus says to him. Nathaniel, I saw what happened under the fig tree just before Philip called you. And because Nathaniel immediately worships Jesus as the Son of God, we can safely infer that whatever happened under the fig tree was so personal and so private and so vulnerable that for Jesus to have seen it and still welcomed him, well, this was enough to melt Nathaniel's heart. And who knows what that was? Maybe he had a panic attack under the fig tree, or a moment of excessive guilt under the fig tree, or maybe Nathaniel threw up a prayer of weepy last resort under the fig tree, but because Jesus goes out of his way to allude to Jacob's dream in the book of Genesis, it's pretty clear that whatever happened under that fig tree was a low point in Nathaniel's life his stone pillow, his Jacob moment that no one else had seen or knew about. But whenever it dawned on Nathaniel that Jesus knew about it, that Jesus understood his pain and that Jesus loved him anyway, that is what changed Nathaniel's life and made him want to be a disciple. And so here's a question I want us to ask ourselves. Do we know what Nathanael did? Do we know what Jacob did? Namely, that Jesus Christ sees us under our fig tree, that God stands beside us on our stone pillow, that Jesus knows us at our worst, and yet he still delights in calling us, even us, to be his disciple. There's a great scene from Dennis the Menace where Dennis and his friend Joey are leaving Miss Wilson's house with their hands full of cookies. And as you may remember from the show, Dennis was not always the most considerate toward the Wilsons, who are his next door neighbors. And so Joey asks, you know, I wonder, what did we do to deserve this? To which Dennis replies, now look, Joey, Miss Wilson does not give us cookies because we're nice. She gives us cookies because she is nice. Now, the illustration is not perfect, but I would submit that this is precisely how grace works. God does not love us because we are good. God loves us because God is good. God does not love us because we are lovely. Rather, it is God's love experienced that makes us lovely. This is simply how grace works. And discipleship is all about grace. Jesus is not like a talent scout looking for the best moral athletes, the most serious Christians, the most disciplined people to help his team win. In fact, 
You might be surprised to hear this, but at no point in the Gospels does Jesus ever ask us to change the world. No, all he does is ask, are you willing? Are you willing to let me change your world? In fact, there is a great verse in the book of Revelation where Jesus or the risen Christ is pleading with the church because they are rich and they are prospering and they think they need nothing. And Jesus says to them, you forget that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You forget, he says, that a relationship with me is all about grace. And that is something far too often forgotten in today's world. It is so easy to stay preoccupied with other things and to live an entire life without ever knowing that, spiritually speaking, we are a beggar. But of course, the tragedy of that way of living is that if we miss our stone pillow, we may at the same time miss the Savior who stands beside it, the one who knows us at our absolute worst, and yet still delights in calling even us to be a disciple. You see, the great mystery of our faith, our beautiful faith, is not only that Jesus stands beside us on our stone pillow, as wonderful as that news is, but the mystery of Christianity is that Jesus himself knows what it's like to fall asleep on that stone. Whatever our stone happens to be, Jesus knows it intimately. And isn't that what makes today's gospel so ironic, that Jesus's origin isn't Nazareth? It's not Nazareth, but as the pre-existent word that became flesh, Jesus's true origin is with the Father. And yet the scandal of our faith is that the word became flesh, that Christ entered our world, that he left his Father's side and became human, not as a general or a philosopher or a politician or a king, but as a carpenter, that Jesus was not born in a palace, but in a feeding trough, and that Jesus knew what it was like to fall asleep on a stone. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, he said, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was homeless. He was abandoned, and as he took his last breath on the cross, he went to willingly. Not one person stood beside him, not even the Father he so loved and relied on was seemingly present. Jesus became wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, and this he did as an intentional act of love so that in him we might be rich and prosper, and need nothing. Meaning that as Christians, we have some really good news to share because today's gospel isn't only about discipleship, it's also about evangelism. It's about becoming the type of person and the type of church that can live in this world with a message. Come and see. Come and see someone that sees you Come and see someone that loves you. Come and see the God who stands beside you. 
As someone once put it, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. And at the end of the day, that is all Philip did for Nathaniel, and it's the only thing God asks us to do for one another. And so again, what happened in Nathaniel's life? What must happen in our life for us to know God and to find a lasting sense of peace and joy? Well, here's what I'd offer. There is a ladder that connects heaven to earth. But it's not a ladder we climb up. It is a ladder that God has climbed down so that he could live and die as one of us and reconcile us to God. And for the record, it is not a dream. And what this means is that we do not need to save ourselves. We don't need to hide from ourselves. We don't need to hide from God because Jesus sees us under our fig tree. And he stands beside us on our stone pillow. Jesus knows us at our worst. And Jesus knows us at our best. And yet the Lord still delights in calling us, even us, to be his disciple. Amen.